This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. shared his comedy for years. Now, you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is Rob Carson Show. It is already Tuesday, the 23rd of August, 2022, and November the 8th cannot get here soon enough. And uh, there are a lot of pundits saying, you know, the rates are really, uh, the rates are really tightened up out there, and the, uh, the Republicans uh, really, you know, well, you know, of course, you need to be vigilant. You need to get out. You need to vote in person, not by mail. You need to vote in person in November because everybody knows that the reason why Democrats don't want you to show a voter ID and don't want you to vote in person is so they can steal the election. That's what they do. That's how they roll. They've done it forever. Don't act like it's a big surprise. Look at Chicago. Look at Philadelphia. Look at Cincinnati. I could go on and on. But uh, the, the mainstream media is going to tell you that, uh, honestly, things are really tightening up. And all these victories that Joe Biden's having lately are really, really impacting. Well, no, not really. Nothing. This weekend, we saw Chuck Todd say 74% of Americans think the country is going in the wrong direction. And the most important thing on their radar, displaced inflation. And that is concern for our democracy. I told you that uh, the left cannot succeed unless they convince you to hate America. That's what it's all been about. I want you to think about the attack on America that has been happening for years. And I also made a, an observation, and I saw uh, uh, actually Russian pundit that I may share tomorrow, about the first generation of the class of 1968. They are in charge of Twitter, then YouTube, and uh, Facebook, among other things, and Google. All right, they are the first full generation to have been hijacked by the woke nonsense preached in schools by the Marxist left, the class of 1968. And they're out, and they're in the corporate world, and they're, uh, they're pitching a fit, and they're stomping up and down, and they're saying we're not going to work, and we're going to make everything this, and we're going to censor speech just like they did on campus. And it's doing a face plant. Because despite the kneeling during the national anthem, despite racism, 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 we're a racist country. Now we're not a racist country. Uh, not nonsense. Absolute nonsense. All of these, uh, these hate crimes on campus. There's a noose hanging from a tree. No, actually, it was just the center part of the light that was there. Or Bubba Wallace, there was a noose outside in NASCAR. They're racist and everybody's racist. No, 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 uh, Bubba, they, they just... It's a, it's a loop in the rope you hang there to open your door, and you know that, too. You knew that, but you wanted to make yourself a victim. Then you alienated yourself by calling not only your crew members, but also NASCAR fans racist. So all of these things that you've been told are awful and terrible about America were nonsense. They were just made you to hate America. And I'm just going to tell you, ask Brittany Griner about America today. 
Ask her how she feels about America today. Why the hell does she want to come back from a Russian prison? Things are great over there. America sucks. Kneel during the national anthem. America sucks. I'm a member of uh, Generation X. Generation X is the last analog generation, and I would venture all to say, also to say, the last generation did not be put through woke America-hating nonsense in school. When I grew up, we stood for the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning. Uh, we uh, we watched Schoolhouse Rock. Schoolhouse Rock was really big for me because uh, it taught me my adjectives and my adverbs and my interjections and my conjunctions and all that. And then it also made me proud even more to be an American. Great American melting pot. The shot heard round the world was the, was the start of the revolution. I remember every word to every one of those songs. And I'm, that's not all, that's not where I learned everything about uh, being proud of America. I also learned it because my stepfather was a uh, World War II veteran. And he was proud to be an American. And I still stand during the National Anthem, even when we're having friends over. The National Anthem is playing before us boarding, and then I say, hey, shut up. Take your hat off. There was nothing wrong with crying when uh, people of color sang the National Anthem. Whitney Houston, she, uh, she sang the National Anthem. Most beautiful version ever sung at a sporting event. And she's a person of color, supposedly a victim, right? A victim. We've been working our entire existence to form a more perfect union, and, and we've done face plants. We failed. At the time of our founding, slavery was the way of the world. It was the way of the world. The original sin. Republican Party was founded in 1854 to fight against slavery. The Democrat Party was completely down with it. But the only way that America falls is if everybody hates America. And according to this recent survey, between 75 and 85% of us feel that the country is going in the wrong direction, which says to me, maybe a lot more people than you'd like to think, or not you, but the left would like to think, are really glad to live in America and are sick and tired of America being torn down, uh, sick and tired of the abuse that we are suffering at the hands of President O'Biden. Barack Obama said years and years ago he wanted to fundamentally transform America. Well, of course he did. He wanted to transform it into his vision, which is a Marxist vision. And I got to tell you, too many people have died and fought and suffered for this country. And too many people have been murdered by Marxist and communist regimes for Americans to say, you know, I really like that, uh, that whole thing that, uh, that uh, you know, Stalin did. He was a pretty good guy. All of those regimes, the Chinese, the Russians, the Cubans, the North Koreans, they've all, they all have body counts. And they're all their own people. Through starvation or execution, that's what they did. And for some reason, the class of 1968 still clings to it, still does that mental masturbation, as I like to say it, in, uh, in uh, faculty lounges, that, you know, communism really is the best way because, you know, of equity, it's equity, and everybody's equal. Everybody's equally miserable. Everybody's equally poor. Ask people in Cuba 
where they get, uh, what is it, is it a pound of beans and five pounds of rice or a pound of rice and five pounds of beans every month, and that's it. And then recently there was a big fire in Havana, and the first responders were rewarded with chicken and rice and deodorant, all of the things that are uh, extraordinarily rare in the communist state. Yet, the Castro family's worth billions. Weird that way. Same way with Venezuela. Hugo Chavez died. He's roasting in hell on a rotisserie. His daughter, richest person in Venezuela, living in exile, worth at least a billion dollars of their money. And we are, well, they'd like to make us go in that direction. I said the reason why Hillary Clinton loves Russia so much is that she loves the oligarchy. She loves left-leaning corporate entities siding with the Democrat Party, enriching the Democrat Party, and vice versa. Like with mandates for electric vehicles and windmills and green energy and all of this. They love the oligarchy. But you see, the problem with an oligarchy is that you and me, the guys who look at our uh, you know grocery list and say, holy hell, I don't know if we can afford uh, both uh, meat and Kraft macaroni and cheese for dinner. We're the ones who end up suffering. And we are, by the way. We are suffering. A record number of Americans say they are suffering. 5.6% of Americans in July have evaluated their lives poorly enough to be considered suffering. I've seen it. You've seen it. I, I think the reason why uh, this, this circuitous route to get to nationally syndicated talk radio hosts took so long is that I needed to learn more. I needed to be exposed to more. I needed to mature in my life and live enough life, put enough life behind me and experience behind me that I could look at the mistakes of the past and, and say, uh, you know, wow. Wow. And I can tell you now that despite the headlines of the day, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. Because 75% of us don't feel that the country's going in the right direction. Which says to me, 75% of us say, screw Marxism, screw communism, screw socialism. They've been trying to kick this, kickstart this crap, and they decided to go for broke with Joe Biden in office. They decided to go for broke to do everything they could to move us in that direction. And what's happening? Despite all the hype, despite all of the, the, uh, the TV broadcasts that say America sucks, America is, uh, is racist, America is this, and America is that, and the left uh, doing their level best to educate our children to believe that Marxism is the way, you are still saying not only no, but hell no. And so when they say that, you know, the races are really tightening and, you know, and, and this and that. And, then, you know, it doesn't look like very good for the Republicans. And, and then, of course, Mitch McConnell, who's a POS, him saying, well, you know, it could be 50-50 in the Senate. Meanwhile, all of the barometers for the direction of the country, according to you and me, are we are done going in this direction. And the latest affront to you and me, the latest indignity suffered upon us, is an unprecedented raid of a former president who is the enemy of the state. And he's the enemy of the state because he told the state, we're tired of the status quo. 
We're tired of you living high on the hog while the people suffer. We're tired of regulation. We're tired of your taxes. We're tired of broadcasting weakness throughout the world. We're tired of China and Russia taking advantage of us. We're tired of being energy dependent on OPEC. And that president is the most hated president in our history, according to the left, for all of those things. Coming up, I'm going to share some uh, startling details, but not surprising that, despite the White House and Corinne Jean-Pierre saying that the White House had no idea about the raid on Mar-a-Lago, they instigated it. They started it. The President of the United States and his administration went after and abused the Fourth Amendment of the United States to go after a political enemy and rival. I've got the audio and the facts to back it up, and the phone number is here, 800-922-6680, 800-922-6680. This, my friends, is The Rob Carson Show. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. SS Titanic is going down, and there's no room on the door for Democrats. It's the Rob Carson Show. All right, so it looks like the uh, the White House signed off, was the, or- the originator of the warrant on Mar-a-Lago. We'll get to that in just one second. Uh, I need to uh, load my intellectual shotgun here real quick. No, actually, that was, that was violent rhetoric. I should be careful. I meant to say my intellectual AR-15. Yeah, I'm going to do that while this is playing. This is that Jim Gossett, comedian, Atlanta, Mar-a-Lago. The FBI, they raided Donald Trump's place, found absolutely nothing. Nada. Got egg on their face. Rien, that's French. Trashing Trump's home. They left a big mess <laughs> Whipped through Melania's closet It's blowing up in their face And grabbed Merrick Garland a dress And some underwear They broke the law broke the, law. the worst thing you ever saw It's the latest FBI crap show That red on Mar-a-Lago They're the enemy of the state I mean the FBI We're looking at you, Joe Don't pretend you didn't know (laughs) FBI has reached a major low For what went down at Mar-a-Lago By the way, if you want to see Jim Gossett in concert, uh, he's going to be in Atlanta on the 27th. Details at uh, jimgossettcomedy.com. That is uh, two S's and two T's, jimgossettcomedy.com. Now, this is what Corinne Jean-Pierre said about uh, uh, Joe Biden. And uh, Joe Biden, by the way, is going to his third week on vacation. 
And, and it's kind of strange all the stuff that's happened uh, during his uh, vacation. It's it's kind of uh, kind of weird. Let me see here. We got uh, a Mar-a-Lago raid shown to be in violation of the Fourth Amendment. The Inflation Reduction Act passed against the will of the American people. Uh, the anniversary of the Afghanistan pullout and the report of its abject failure. No other president says a peep about the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. There's that too. They didn't say a damn thing. CDC admits they failed with their COVID response. There's that. Anthony Fauci is resigned or he's going to resign. He's going to leave. He's going to retire. The CDC is admitting there's no difference between vaccinated and unvaccinated people, meaning all of these vaccinations and mandates and kicking people out of the military and all that was uh, a joke. And uh, they should sue the government's arse off. Uh, let's see what else here. Oh, evidence shows the White House signed off on the raid of Mar-a-Lago and was involved in waiving President Trump's executive privilege. All of that has happened while Joe Biden has been on a vacance. But here is Corinne Jean-Pierre. I believe this was last uh, Sunday on this week saying that, uh, you know, uh, he hasn't been briefed. Uh, the president has never been briefed on this This Mar-a-Lago raid? What is this thing you're talking about? We have no idea. And, and, and it's true. Biden, Joe Biden, as a candidate, was, was consistent on this. As president, he's always said, independent Justice Department, uh, no politicization. Uh, but let me play something to you one of the top yeah. Republicans in the House had to say about Let's this. Let's hear this. Yeah. President Donald Trump is Joe Biden's most likeliest political opponent in 2024. And this is less than 100 days from critical midterm well, there is that. elections. The FBI raid of President Trump is a complete abuse and overreach of its authority. Call it a B-slap. So he ran on not politicizing the DOJ. He has yeah, said well. that as president. But how concerned is he is th- th- to see this investigation play out in the middle of a campaign, at least raising the appearance of a politicized... Uh, de- and in the middle of a three-week vacation where no questions are being answered at all. Department of Justice. So just a comment on what I just heard. Yeah. This is not true. Sure. Uh, this is not yeah. uh, something... Let me just step back even please, further. Please step back. When the president on January 7th... On, just step in, right there. The edge of the pool right there. Just step right back to that. 2021. When we the, drained it. The president uh, nominated Merrick Garland. He was very clear about this. He uh-huh. said that he believes in the rule of law. Sure. Uh, Merrick Garland would not be the president's lawyer. Sure. Uh, he would not be the vice president's lawyer. Yeah. Uh, this is about the American people and doing what is right for the American people. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that's not the case you see. The headline, Biden White House facilitated DOG's criminal probe against Trump scuttled privilege claims. Uh, let's see here. This is uh, National Archivist Deborah Steidel. I have therefore decided not to honor the former president's protective claim of privilege. Long before it uh, professed no prior knowledge on the raid on Donald Trump's uh, estate, the Biden White House worked directly with the Justice Department and the National Archives to investigate the criminal probe into alleged mishandling of documents, uh, allowing the FBI to pre-review evidence retrieved from Mar-a-Lago this spring and eliminating the 45th president's claim to executive privilege, according to contemporaneous government documents reviewed by Just the News. That's John Solomon's uh, agency. The memos uh, show then White House Secretary uh, Counsel Jonathan Sue was engaged in conversations with the FBI, DOJ, National Archives as early as April.
April. Shortly after, 15 boxes of classified and other materials were voluntarily returned to the Federal Historical Agency from Trump's Florida home. It sounds like he's seriously, seriously averse to uh, uh, working with the DOJ. No, actually, he, he was completely cool with it. By May, Sue conveyed to the archives that President Joe Biden would not object to waiving his predecessor's claim to executive privilege, a decision that opened the door for DOJ to get a grand jury to issue a subpoena compelling Trump to turn over any remaining materials he possessed from his presidency. The machinations are summarized in several memos and emails exchanged between the various agencies in spring of 22, months before FBI took the added unprecedented step of raiding Trump's Florida compound with the court-issued search warrant. They had to go to a sycophantic Democrat judge who had given money to uh, uh, Barack Obama and had recused himself from a lawsuit involving Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton because he's a big buddy of Hillary Clinton. The most complete summary was contained in a lengthy letter May 10th that acting archivist Deborah Steidel sent Trump's lawyer summarizing the White House's involvement. I've got great audio. It was all a setup. It was all a shakedown and they're all in cahoots, if you will. Your calls are welcome, guys. Don't go anywhere. It's getting good. If the left tells you to quiet down, get louder. It's the Rob Carson Show. Uh, So, again, this is not what this is about. We do not interfere. We do not get briefed. Uh, The Department of Justice, again, when it comes to law enforcement matters, it is independent, complete independence. And I'm just not going to comment on that. None of us will, because we're going to let uh, Merrick Garland speak for himself. And And even to this point, uh, President Biden has not been briefed about anything. Not been briefed. We have not interfered. Not discussed at all. Not Not discussed. We have, I'm going to tell you, Jonathan, we have learned about all of this the same way the American people have learned about this. Yeah. You know what? You're full of crap and you're a stinking liar. How about that? Always take the filter off for Karine Jean-Pierre. You're a bloody, stinking, Stalinistic liar. How about that? Because you've just been proven wrong in your lie. On April 11, 2022, the White House Counsel Office affirming a request from the Department of Justice supported by an FBI letterhead memorandum formally transmitted a request that NARA provide the FBI access to the 15 boxes for its review within seven days with the possibility the FBI might request copies of specific documents following its review of the boxes. Uh, Okay. Uh, That letter revealed Biden empowered the National Archives and Records Administration to waive any claims to executive privilege that Trump might assert to block the DOJ from gaining access to the documents. This was a communication between the White House first, then the National Archives. The counsel of the president has informed me that in the light of the circumstances presented here, President Biden defers to my determination in consultation with the assistant attorney general for the Office of Legal Counsel. I know this gets really... I have therefore decided not to honor the former president's protective claim of privilege. This is a note from National Archivist Deborah Steidel. That's what the Biden White House did so Donald Trump could not claim executive privilege. It was a legal finagling they thought they would actually get away with. They were the ones who got the raid going. Here's John Solomon to talk about it. Provided I can get John Solomon to play. 
and I apparently cannot. Let's move. Oh, let's try this. Here, here, hold on one second. Let's let's try that uh, now. Yeah, this is a uh, a letter from the acting National Archivist of America to President Trump's lawyer. That's the one I just talked to you about. Here on around May 10th, and in it, it lays out the entire role of the Biden White House. The general counsel's office was involved. It authorized the release of documents. They knew all about it. And oddly enough, Joe Biden went to a vacation the same week. And he's been on vacation for two and almost a half weeks since then. Weird. The FBI, that's what starts the criminal probe. It then uh, authorizes uh, uh, telling the Trump uh, attorneys they will not be able to use executive privilege and also telling the FBI, you can take these records without an executive privilege fight, go use them. So they not only uh, start the ignition point, they facilitate it. This is a president of the United States and his administration weaponizing the DOJ and the FBI and the National Archives to go after an ex-president. This is bigger than White House, uh, than, uh, than, uh, than, uh, uh, any scandal we've seen in our past, it is bigger than Watergate by far. By taking away one of the president's uh, potential defenses, Alan Dershowitz, other lawyers I talked to tonight, deeply concerned by the uh, Biden uh, White House's involvement in this. They didn't have. They made the decision months before. Then on the day of the raid, Joe Biden. They knew the raid was coming on that Monday, and Joe Biden went on vacation. Merrick Garland and the DOJ set on the warrant from Friday to Monday. They said it was a national emergency. They said that Donald Trump had nuclear secrets. None of that was true. The Biden White House was in on it. Have to be involved. The FBI could have gone to court, tried to compel this stuff. Instead, the FBI takes a shortcut, goes to the guy who might have to run against Donald Trump in 2024 and gets the records through the back door. Wow, just wow. A little bit more from John Solomon. Yeah, there's no doubt. Listen, there's so much we don't know. It's like March or April of 2017, Sean, when you and I... There is no doubt that the White House knew about the raid. They lied about uh, saying they knew about, they didn't know about the raid, and they all did it while uh, Joe Biden was under cover of vacation. I we're working on the Russia collusion story. We're going to learn a lot of facts, but tonight we have a new fact and evidence. The Biden White House can no longer claim it wasn't involved in the starting of this criminal investigation or its... I'm thinking uh, impeachable offense here, kids. Facilitation. Add that to the border thing. Yeah, we'll just... A couple. Let's do a couple of them, just like they did to Donald Trump, except for these will stick because they have facts. In fact, long before the raid, we're talking about April and May. That's now a fact that's no longer in doubt. No longer in doubt. Greg uh, Jarrett also talked, I believe this was last night on uh, uh, Sean Hannity's show, about the, uh, the warrant, which was a broad search warrant for anything they could find, essentially. And that's illegal. They argued that the warrant was overly broad. Same argument I made today in the column, and it, it was. Take a look. This at is what the, the uh, Trump people are saying. The warrant was overly broad. The warrant, it's a general warrant uh, that is specifically forbidden by the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. And the Supreme Court has said general warrants violate individuals' Fourth Amendment rights. Because that allows people to kick down your doors and search for anything. Anything. I don't know, like uh, what the IRS is planning on doing to you. Finally, they used Garland's own words against him when he stood in front of television cameras and he said, oh, it's our standard practice to always use the less intrusive means uh, to gain evidence. Well, they didn't do that. And Trump's legal team 
pointed that out. So all of these uh, these emails, all of this information with acting National Archivist Deborah Steidel and the White House provide the most definitive evidence to date of the current White House effort to facilitate a criminal probe of the man Joe Biden beat in the 2020 election and may face again as a challenger in 2024. Let me add in a little addendum. Joe Biden didn't get 81 million votes. Jim Jordan of Ohio, ranking Republican on the House Judiciary Committee and the committee's likely chairman if the GOP wins control of Congress in November, and we have to. He calls the White House's involvement in the privilege waiver uh, amazing news with implications for past and future presidents. Here is Alan Dershowitz, a frequent guest on this radio program, a liberal Harvard professor talking about the illegal raid by the FBI. Well, these are very, very serious matters. Um, you know, the, the whole issue of whether or not there was full disclosure to the magistrate, hopefully, uh, will come out uh, when we see the affidavit. But we won't see all of it because the magistrate is in bed with uh, Hillary Clinton. God help him. I meant that figuratively. Don't, don't, don't go there with the imagery. I know. Um, there should be a special master appointed. This has happened in the past. A special master, a former judge, can go through all the papers and decide what's privileged. The one thing that clearly is wrong is the Biden White House should not be able to waive the executive privilege of President Trump. That would make the executive privilege a nullity. It would mean that no president could ever speak to anybody in confidence without knowing that two years from now or three years from now. But you see, it would never be used against a Democrat like that. That's the cudgel that the left is using against Donald Trump. Now, all of it will be revealed by the current president. That's just not the way executive privilege was supposed to operate. But you see, they bend and they twist and they do whatever they can to uh, create law, to uh, to bend law. To uh, They did it with uh, with the elections. They did it in Pennsylvania. They did it. They, they went around. They did in runs around legislatures to change the election law so they could benefit Joe Biden. Weird that way. More from Alan Dershowitz. There's one argument that the government is making. The theory of the case shouldn't be disclosed. Why not? What's there to hide about the theory of the case? I understand cooperating witness. I understand undercover. I understand maybe names of witnesses. But the theory of the case, what's the secret about that? Let the defendant, let everybody in the world know what the theory of the case is. So I hope Judge Reinhardt allows the public to sit in judgment. Because after all, who will guard the guardians? If we don't have ultimate authority to look over Things like an unprecedented, as the judge said today, unprecedented. Unprecedented and unacceptable. In our history search, when something like that happens, we the people have the right to sit in judgment over our judges, over the Justice Department, and over the government. Let's go to uh, Victor in Silver Spring, Maryland. Hello, Victor. How you doing, my friend? Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's on your mind? Well, hearing all this, yes, I am thinking like Trump now. Okay. And I want to run a theory by you. I think he knew that the Democrats were going to pull something like this. So what I'm thinking is the stuff that they were looking for, I wouldn't be surprised if he hid it somewhere else. So when the raid did happen, the Democrats didn't find what they were looking for. And Trump still has the goods on the Democrats. 
Well, I mean, I, I can see where you might think that. I, I'm not so sure that Trump is that uh, devious. I, I Do I think that Donald Trump might have thought the FBI was coming? Well, his safe was empty, so uh, you know maybe there. Uh, it's an inter- it's an interesting proposition, Victor. I- I'm not so sure that um, Donald Trump is intentionally hiding thing from in- anything from the federal government. He's been playing by the books. He allowed the FBI to come and check out the boxes at Mar-a-Lago, and they did a wholesale search of the entire uh, compound. And by the way, the the Secret Service is the 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 president's security at Mar-a-Lago. So there are federal agents at Mar-a-Lago. He can't just, you know, run things through the shredder or flush them down the toilet, as some leftist authors uh, claim that he did. But I, uh, I understand your, uh, your thinking. And, and, and honestly, at this point, who the heck knows? Victor, I appreciate your phone call. I pre- now, uh, Donald Trump has filed a motion requesting an independent review of the documents seized from Mar-a-Lago during the raid. Uh, this is a quote. Law enforcement is a shield that protects Americans. It cannot be used as a weapon for political purposes, although the FBI has been doing this for, well, since its inception by Woodrow Wilson. He used it against his political enemies. Therefore, we seek judicial assistance in the aftermath of an unprecedented and unnecessary raid on President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home in Palm Beach, Florida. Trump's motion for judicial oversight and additional relief requests the court appoint a special master. And I believe he has to uh, speak Japanese with subtitles. Hello, I am the uh, special master. I am here to oversee. Uh Aha. Maybe not. Prohibit the FBI from further review of the seized documents until the special master, ha-ha, hoo-ha, karate chop, is appointed. Order the government to release a more detailed property receipt and return any items seized that was not within the search warrant's scope. By the way, the feds took his passport. It was separate from the other stuff. So it gives you an idea of the intentions of the federal government, by the way. Trump's motion comes just days after he announced he would file a Fourth Amendment motion concerning the illegal break-in of Mar-a-Lago. Quote, my rights, together with the rights of all Americans, have been violated at a level rarely seen in our country. And guess what? The raid has caused more Republicans to say they support Trump more and the Republican Party less. There you go. It's not about a man. It's about what a man stands for. And a man taking the slings and arrows of a corrupt government that was weaponized against this former president and is about to be weaponized against you and me in the form of 87,000 IRS agents in a bill that had nothing to do with inflation reduction. It was merely meant as a political payoff to cronies on the left and a punishment for conservatives on the right. That's what it's all about, kids. That was, it's all about left wing. I've got more information on this and your phone calls at 800-922-6680. This is The Rob Carson Show. Yeah, this is a, uh, a letter from the acting National Archivist of America to President Trump's lawyer on around May 10th. And in it, it lays out the entire role of the Biden White House. The general counsel's office was involved. It authorized the release of documents to the FBI. That would be Jonathan Sue. 
That's what starts the criminal. I would sue him. Probe. It then uh, authorizes uh, uh, telling the Trump uh, attorneys they will not be able to use executive privilege and also tell that comes from National Archivist Deborah Steidel. Telling the FBI, you can take these records without an executive privilege fight. Go. Uh, that order came from Joe Biden. Use them. So they not only uh, start the ignition point, they facilitate it by taking away one of the president's uh, potential defenses. Alan Dershowitz. The White House were the ones originally who said that Donald Trump's executive privilege should be stricken in this case, allowing them a convenient excuse to weaponize the FBI and invade Mar-a-Lago with a wholesale raid and open warrant to grab anything. That's illegal. People are going to pay. Other lawyers I talked to tonight, deeply concerned by the uh, Biden uh, White House's involvement in this. They didn't have to be involved. The FBI could have gone to court, tried to compel this stuff. Instead, the FBI takes a shortcut, goes to the guy who might have to run against Donald Trump in 2024 and gets the records through the back door. I know this is confusing. I get it. I was just talking to Brian, my producer in Baltimore. He's like, man, you got a lot of information this hour. I know. Listen, you know, uh, it, it's hard for me to digest. You know, I'm not, uh, you know, Charles Krauthammer. You know, I'm not Victor Davis Hanson. But I can dissect these things and see, oh, White House Deputy Counsel Jonathan Sue was engaged in conversations with the FBI, DOJ, and the National Archives as early as April of this year. Shortly after, 15 boxes of classified and other materials were voluntarily returned to the Federal Historical Agency from Trump's Florida home. They found that the president could be in possession of these materials, and they sent them back to Mar-a-Lago. Then in June, the FBI went to Mar-a-Lago. They uh, asked to see the, uh, the archives, what, what the, the president had. The president said, here you go, check it out. The FBI said, okay, do us a favor, will you put another lock on that door and we're out of here. And the president of the United States, Donald Trump, said, hey, man, if you need anything, I'm here for you. But what that did by putting it back in Mar-a-Lago is gave the White House, Joe Biden, Joe Obama, White House Deputy Counsel Jonathan Sue, the FBI, and the DOJ using the, F, the National Archives and someone presumably who is a, a political tool in the National Archives by the name of Deborah Steidel gave them the permission to go in and perform a raid on Mar-a-Lago, which took the former president's Fourth Amendment rights and crumbled them up and threw them into the garbage. In other words, they're as thick as thieves. In other words, everything they tell you is a lie. And on top of all this, the FBI Detroit chief, during the bungled uh, Gretchen Whitner plot to, uh, to uh, kidnap Gretchen Whitner, which was a sting operation set up by the FBI, where two people were actually acquitted in, a, in a, uh, a trial in April, where two others are still under trial, 
by the FBI or, or uh, for, for apparently working with the FBI to kidnap and kill Gretchen Whitmer, even though these guys never came up with the idea, and the FBI entrapped people, creating the entire thing themselves, the guy in charge of this botched raid, which is already uh, ex- ex- exonerated two defendants and will hopefully exonerate the other two, the guy who was in charge of this is in charge of uh, the Mar-a-Lago raid. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? And oddly enough, uh, it looks like um, during an April 2022 anti-lockdown protest, uh, one of the informants uh, attended at the Michigan State Capitol. The FBI instructed state police, are you ready for this, to stand down and allow protesters into the Michigan State Capitol. Doesn't that sound familiar? Makes you kind of wonder who told the uh, the uh, Capitol Police to stand down during the January 6th insurrection. Unbelievable. Let's take a break. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now, you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. Hour number two of the Rob Carson Show. Much, uh, much to uh, to get to this hour. we got a special guest, Cindy Watson. She is a political commentator, a podcaster, and uh, kind of a big deal in Australia. Uh, we are actually, too, the show, the podcast. We have a lot of people in Australia who... Uh, to listen to the show. I'm very disappointed in the leadership of Australia because, I, you know, there was a time where I was like, hey, you know, Australia's pretty cool. I mean, if the country ever fell, I might consider going to Australia. And then they put all these morons in charge and uh, they did the COVID stuff that was just uh, off the hook. Just, I mean, wow. Really, 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 really. So, uh, by the way, Barry Croft and Adam Fox convicted of kidnapping a plot to kidnap uh, Gretchen Whitmer over COVID-19 restrictions. The two men accused of plotting to kidnap were found guilty. After uh, beginning deliberations Monday, a jury convicted both of them on a conspiracy to kidnap Whitmer, which was made up by FBI informants, by the way, completely made up of whole cloth. They even made up the organization that was going to uh, fight Gretchen Whitmer, and they got the uh, defendants re- high and they got them you know there's all sorts of stuff here they're going to lead to appeal i'm not going to get into all of it this morning but uh, the fbi was used as a uh, a cudgel to create something that didn't exist by a uh, an informant and uh, and the the first trial two of the defendants were acquitted this trial they were found guilty i will get to all of the details on this but there certainly will be an appeal because it was a sting operation, and it was entrapment, and they needed to uh, retry them to get anything. And again, the FBI Detroit chief during the Whitmer plot now runs the D.C. office that raided Mar-a-Lago. Dan Chapel is Big Dan. He was uh, the original guy. He, he went to the FBI saying that uh, he saw a, a post or a group on on uh, Facebook that they should be concerned about, and they decided to. He's, by the way, a contractor for the USPS. Uh, he was put in touch with the FBI after sharing concerns with a police officer friend over a pro-Second Amendment Facebook group that he said was critical of law enforcement. 
FBI Special Agent Jason Chambers worked with Big Dan on both the Whitmer kidnapping plot and another scheme in Virginia, the latter targeting then-Governor Ralph Northam. In the Virginia operation, Chambers told Chappelle or Chapel to try to convince a Vietnam veteran to kill the governor specifically, according to texts revealed in defense filings last year. The FBI paid Chappelle about $60,000 for seven months. He worked with them, which was more than he made in the USPS in a year. He was also given a smartwatch, $3,300 laptop, new tires for his pick-em-up truck. On several occasions, Chappelle offered uh, Fox, which is one of the guys who was found guilty, who was unemployed and living in the basement of a vacuum repair shop without running water, offered him a credit card with a $5,000 limit from the FBI to buy guns. Fox never took the credit card. Chappell uh, testified on Monday that during an April 2020 anti-lockdown protest he attended at the Michigan State Capitol, the FBI instructed state police to stand down and allow protesters into the building. The protesters included two of the defendants, and the protesters were told by Chappelle and others to go inside the Capitol and try to assassinate the governor, and they never did that. The group involved in the alleged plot was brought together by Chappelle and was usually stoned during their meetings, which usually uh, he usually arranged. Chappelle provided the pot, by the way. Chappelle's FBI handler praised him for bringing people together. Chappelle and other FBI informants drove the two defendants, Fox and Croft, to Whitmer's, Whitmer's, Whitmer's home for surveillance, according to testimony uh, last Thursday from FBI agent Tim Bates. They drove him to her house. Bates pretended to be an explosives expert named Red and was introduced to the group by Chappelle. Last October, an FBI agent provided testimony that FBI informant and convicted felon Steve Robeson started the Wisconsin chapter of the 3% militia group. Percenters. In the spring trial, defense attorneys said that Robeson made Fox the head of the Michigan chapter of the 3%ers, which they noted wouldn't have happened without FBI involvement. According to a text message shown in court by late summer 2020, FBI informant Jenny Plunk, who is head of the Tennessee chapter of the Three Percenters, <laughs> which was made up, was tasked by her handler to keep the group from disbanding. You see, this group was going to disband because the two guys who were just convicted today, Fox and Croft, wanted to walk away from it. They were like, we, we don't want to be a part of this. In July, she actually shared a hotel room with Croft, which an FBI agent testified last week was an arrangement between, between an informant and target that he had never heard of before. The prosecution continued to allege that Fox was responsible for the kidnapping plot. Wow. The big bully. The big bully of, uh, of the federal government going after a little guy living in a damn basement, no running water, had to go to a Mexican restaurant. But you see, the FBI was so desperate to paint uh, Trump supporters as white supremacists and terrorists that they made the whole damn thing up. They made the whole damn thing up. And now two people who were ensnared in it, not particularly bright people, I'm not holding them up as some sort of pinnacles, they got played they got sucked in, 
They wanted to leave. They were given credit cards. The guy was given credit cards, living in a basement of a vacuum repair shop, said, I don't want to buy weapons. I'm not going to use that money. Could have used it for food. Could have used it for anything. Didn't want the money. Said, no, I I don't want to do it. Ultimately, an FBI informant shares a hotel room with him when he was trying to leave the group. This is uh, America in 2022. Wow. And then there's Mar-a-Lago. This is new from Jim Gossett. Tall tales, Biden's flunkies are telling about the Mar-a-Lago invasion. The Trump safe breaking and document taking. They knew. Oh, yeah, they did. Claim that they were not involved in it, but now we know the White House approved it. The cover story and all of its glory is not true. I want to see people go to jail for this. They lie very badly. Good enough for a jury in Michigan, I guess. Yes, I would jail them all gladly. I hope that Donald Trump sues them. He will. And takes away everything that they own for an illegal raid on his home. Fourth Amendment. Fraud it was those people. Denials about the Mar-a-Lago intrusion. Joe signed up on the raid. It's clear to me. Uh, it's clear. In this yes, it's clear to see. Hope their history. Oh, they will be. Hell is coming, and I'm coming with them. In the words of Kurt Russell from the uh, movie Tombstone. Republicans uh, who say they support Trump more than the party rises in the wake of the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago and the crushing of uh, Liz Cheney in uh, Wyoming. I just added that. NBC News found that 41% of Republicans put Trump ahead of the party. Maybe it's because the party puts you behind the party. (laughs) That number is up seven points since May when the uh, question was uh, last asked. It comes as Trump allies are emboldened after the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. The former president believes it will deliver midterms win to Republicans, and uh, it should. It should. Here's uh, here's my buddy uh, Rob Schmidt on Newsmax. little commentary about uh, the uh, ridiculousness of the uh, Mar-a-Lago raid, provided I can get it to uh, play. Hold on one second here. Here it is. Washington Post claims to have sources saying that Trump had confidential nuclear documents inside of his home, right? That's what... Yeah, they they made that up. The Washington Post repeated it, which shows that they don't even deserve to line your daughter's hamster cage like uh, mine does. This is effectively all about. That's what they're trying... Actually, I wouldn't wouldn't dignify the Washington Post with hamster crap. I just used uh, shredded... uh, Well, show prep, actually. Okay, Independent on. That's really the crux of the raid. (laughs) Nuclear documents in his home. Material so dangerous, it warranted an armed raid. Yes, of the home of a former president. Yes. Who's going to run again, by the way. But somehow, it's been there for 18 months. Weird. And this somehow explodes into a horrifying threat to national security three months before the midterms? Huh. It's been there for 18 months? So either the DOJ is horrifically incompetent yeah. or yeah. this is a manufactured crisis. Oh, I'm thinking the latter. I'm thinking both, actually. Don't you? I mean, at this point, don't you kind of go, yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. And, and of course, abject corruption and a one-sidedness by government agencies 
that started years and years ago. It started with the IRS and Lois Lerner targeting conservatives. The reason why the, uh, the Tea Party movement was, was destroyed because the FBI, the feds, went after them. Did everything they could to ruin them so they couldn't express themselves. They could not uh, get 501c3 status while left-leaning organizations were completely cool. And that was just the beginning. A dossier paid for by Hillary Clinton. A piece of propaganda used by the FBI to secure FISA warrants and surveil Donald Trump's campaign, transition team, and presidency. The FBI was down with it. An FBI who was in possession of Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, just look up Hunter Biden's laptop at this point. Dear God in heaven, there are, there's evidence of crimes everywhere. And the FBI, they labeled it disinformation six weeks before the election, even though they knew that everything on it was real. Hell's coming, and we're coming with it. Coming up. 71% of Americans believe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act will make things worse or not make any difference. And your phone calls at 800-922-6680. This is The Rob Carson Show. His first grade teacher said he talked out of turn. Worse after he's missed a day. Well, things haven't changed. It's the Rob Carson Show. Kind of weird that Joe Biden is on vacation when all of this good stuff is happening. I mean, honestly, the media made it sound like he was having some major wins. Everything was awesome. Everything was cool when you're part of the team. And uh, oddly enough, he's on uh, he's on vacation when some of the biggest things of his presidency are happening, including the uh, raid on Mar-a-Lago and the subsequent uh, investigation that has shown that the White House was actually in on it. They gave the thumbs up. They uh, they worked with the National Archives, the FBI, and the DOJ. Yeah, they did. They all worked together, even though the White House said they didn't. Kind of strange. And then and Joe Biden came back from his vacation to uh, sign the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which has nothing to do with inflation reduction, and America knows about it. America knows. And they're not being played anymore. And they're uh, getting kind of pissed about it, to be quite honest. 71% of Americans believe Biden's administ- uh, Inflation Reduction Act will make things worse or not change them at all. NBC News poll again. Weird, weird. They're normally so in bed with uh, Joe Biden, they roll over and say, honey, give me a kiss before they go to work. Uh, The NBC poll found that a majority of Americans, 71%, said uh, the act would either make things worse or make no difference. Only 26% of those polled said they believe the act would change things or make things better. They probably have the same dementia that Joe Biden has. 24% of respondents said the bill would make inflation better. 34% said it would make it worse. Another 23% said no difference. Congressional Budget Office found that the bill would actually reduce inflation by a negligible amount in the short term and have no effect on inflation in the long term. Supporters of the bill instead have praised Biden for passing the most expansive legislation to combat climate change. Uh, That, of course, was uh, rejected by voters last year, but they lied about it and they made up a, a name for it. And Joe Biden went on vacation and they shoved it down your throat. This is why these uh, SOBs need to be driven from office uh, right into a courtroom and then to jail. Let's go to Mike in Bethesda. Hello there, Mike, and welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's on your mind today? Hey, Rob. Thank you. Hey, look, can you put this stuff together for me? I think this whole uh, invasion of President Trump's uh, property down in Florida, 
It started the National Archive. If you uh, yes. Google the David Ferraro, he's the head of the uh, <clears throat> National Archive. He started, uh, he resigned or he stepped out a few weeks ago. Okay. And everything is started rolling. As soon as he left, everything is started rolling. You got to start from there and go, go to the White House. Okay. Go mm-hmm. to the vice president's residence or office. From there to DOJ, DOJ, and the FBI, and uh, J6, Adam Schiff, and Liz Cheney, and the rest of them. And I think a couple other mm, people or organizations going to come in play, maybe even CIA. Yeah. They yeah. are probably against President Trump. You know, uh, Mike, 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 let me finish. Uh, Mike, you're, you're spot on, bro. I mean, you've been doing your homework. Uh, the, the person brought in, the acting National Archivist Deborah Steidel, was the one who eliminated, effectively, uh, Donald Trump's claim for executive privilege. She was the one who waived it. She worked with Joe Biden, uh, with the White House Deputy Counsel Jonathan Sue, who was working with the FBI, DOJ, and, of course, the National Archives as early as April. So you are spot on, bro. This is a major. This is a major deal, Mike. Um, what What are your thoughts about it beyond that? I mean, you've obviously done your research on it. Um, what do you What do you think What do you think's got to happen now, bro? Well, all this nothing's going to happen. What happened to Hillary Clinton? Nothing. No, nothing. Good. Nothing's going to happen to Dr. Fauci. He killed thousands and thousands of people. He lied to everybody. Nothing's going to happen. The Congress is dysfunctional. Even the Republicans are going to take, uh, take, take the power. They're going to bark and bark like a Senator uh, Kennedy from Arizona. Maybe Ron Paul make a lot of, a little bit of noise. Then nothing, because the rhinos are in the Dr. Fauci's side. They're all working together behind the scenes. They don't want to see President Trump going to be run and elected and elected again. Mike, I appreciate your phone call, man. Very uh, spot on um, and right in so many ways. And I got to tell you, if you, you heard that poll earlier, more people support Donald Trump above the Republican Party. The Republican Party better pull their heads out of their rear ends. And they better lose uh, Mitch. And they better lose Kevin. I'm telling you. Because uh, we're not going to take this crap anymore. And I mean, it's pretty bad when when a party seeds its, well, I guess it probably, may, maybe that happened with Barack Obama, right? Were they worshiping at the altar of Barack Obama? People had their, uh, you know, votive candles, and they looked at Obama as godlike, I guess, to some degree. That's not the case with Donald Trump. They see a man who is under siege, and they put themselves in his place, and they realize that he's taken the arrows. And then you realize that they were working to not only go after him, but now after us. It's part of the plan as Joe Biden's on vacation to pass this, uh, this Inflation Reduction Act, something that had been the moist dream of Democrats for years to weaponize the IRS against uh, conservatives like the FBI did when Lois Lerner was in charge. Unbelievable. Let's go to uh, Ron in Levittown, Pennsylvania. Hello, my friend. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. Oh, hey, Rob. I'm, I'm calling just to say that... Um I'm very upset with Mike Pence in, in his, with his stance on the FBI uh, upholding them. Yeah. Um, he was in the Trump administration the whole time when the FBI was participating in an actual coup of a sitting president. Yeah. 
Now, that's outrageous. Now, Mike Pence and other Republicans, they should be all, all up in arms. I mean, they actually tried to coup a, a sitting president. Shouldn't no. the FBI be shut down and, and reinvent it? I mean, this Absolutely. is outrageous. Absolutely, Ron. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, and uh, there are more people in Washington, D.C., or at least in America, saying the FBI needs to be uh, shut down. The, the FBI needs to be defunded and broken up. Uh, Mike Pence is, is an outlier. He always has been an outlier. I, I wish him the very best if he decides to get on the same ticket with Liz Cheney because it's going to go down in history as the worst attempt at a campaign that never even uh, ran a campaign ad in the history of the, uh, of the government of America. Mike Pence is a rhino. Mike Pence is done. He's the old-school Re- Republican Party, the new derivation of the country club republican and uh, what he has to say holds absolutely no sway whatsoever and he exposed himself as nothing more than a tool of the state in the last two years of his life all right i've got much more coming up special guest on the show she's young she is in touch she is sydney watson from australia we're going to talk about uh, the state of america coming up in a second it's the rob carson show of the Rob Carson Show. We uh, are going down under to on the Newsmax hotline to uh, Sydney Watson, political commentator, podcaster, among other things. She joins us live. Hello, Sydney. How are you today? I am tremendous. How are you doing, Rob? I'm glorious. Um, you know, I always wanted to, if, if I ever thought that the United States was going to fall, I think uh, myself and others uh, would have said, you know, maybe Australia would be the, the best uh, place to go because it, it seemed to be a bastion of individual uh, libertari- uh, liberty and uh, I guess to some degree some uh, sort of uh, rugged individualism and whatnot. And then, and then uh, COVID happened. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, what the hell happened to uh, to to Australia. You know, I've been asked this so many times <laughs> yes, over yes. the course of the last number of years, and yes. every time I have to say either I don't particularly know because it's challenging for me as an Australian to put my finger quite on why they collectively lost their minds. But as a general rule, and this is the easiest way I can summarize it, Aussies, regrettably, in my opinion and in many Americans' opinions, view security over freedom. That ah, is the poison pill. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, some of the same dynamics. I mean, the exact same dynamics of the Democrat Party are in play in Australia, uh, at play in uh, New Zealand, um, where we saw, uh, again, a- another country that I thought, hey, New Zealand, pretty cool. Maybe maybe consider going there. And then I realized, dear God in heaven, uh, what, what was possible, what, the, what you were so willing to cede because of a, a global pandemic, of course, I'm using in quotes, uh, it, is, it is remarkable. Did it ever change? your mind about your country? Are you where I am right now, like in the United States, saying, you know what, I'm not giving up. I'm going to fight back. We're going we're gonna, to uh, turn this thing around. Is that where you... Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, Rob, it's turned me into a megalomaniac. I look at Australia and I go, you know what? Uh, I not, not that I ever think I would give up my American citizenship because I think that is a real blessing, but I'm like, I will go back. I will become your supreme overlord and I will give you the freedoms <laughs> that you do not want, Australians. I will do it. I will remove the restrictions that so plague your life. I don't think they would want that, though, in a lot of ways, because, you know, Aussies are very politically ambivalent. And I think this is a thing that escapes the attention of many of us who are very politically involved. Aussies just don't care. So by and large, when things are happening around them, they sort of have this opinion that's like, 
well, you know, she'll be right. She'll be fine. And so I think the fact that so many of them eventually stood up and even New Zealanders, too, they were protesting the government just the other day. And the fact that so many of them are actually getting out into the streets is kind of remarkable to me, because even when I would try to have protests and things uh, back home when I still lived there, I'd get, you know, like four people. We'd all, you know, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. It was it's very depressing. I thought, where's the spirit, guys? But I guess they're G'd up these days. Now, I, I guess I, I apologize, but on my bio that I received, it said that you're based in Australia. Where are you now? I live in Texas. Okay, I didn't know. I did. I apologize I, uh, profusely for that. I, in my research, I did not see that. So you live in Tejas. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, some great things happening in Texas. It looks like uh, we had a uh, uh, Myra Flores uh, won a, a seat in Congress that had been dominated yes. by Democrats for 150 years. You're close to it. Uh, it looks mm -hmm. like people of color are streaming across the border, and the Democrats are expecting them to vote Democrat. But they're coming across going, listen, we love uh, we love the church. Uh, we, we love life. We don't want uh, abortion. Uh, Un, un, uh, unlimited abortion, and and it looks like Democrats are expecting um, uh, people of color in Texas and other states to vote for them, when in fact the uh, Democrat Party is doing the opposite of what they believe in. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the fact of the matter is that you have all these people trying to push Beto here, and this is driving me crazy. Oh, my God. The, the basic thing, I just go, are we really are we really doing this? Seriously? Yes. Because, I mean, he, he's got two brain cells to rub together, and he doesn't even try. It's just it's sad. So I think generally what we're seeing happen is that there's a, a very big white liberal push with Beto, but I think everybody else is just sick to death of this. Interestingly, though, I think that uh, our old Abbott has uh, fallen out of favor a little bit just because of the way that he handled uh, COVID. But again, I also think Texans, by and large, are a little bit politically ambivalent in some ways. They want to have their guns and they want to be left the hell alone. At least yeah. that's what my circle kind of says. Now, one of the things that uh, when I discussed with you off air is uh, your passion with regard to uh, what's happening with the grooming of children in our country, the sexualization of children, uh, this gender dysphoria, uh, this nonsense. It's utter, utter nonsense. I, uh, I believe that uh, anyone who would be down with gender transformation in any way shape or form before the mm. 18th birthday if you are involved in the medical profession you need to be drummed out of the medical profession you need to be brought up on criminal charges and jailed for it to be quite honest uh what are your thoughts about what's happening in america and what i believe is a major backlash against this transgender nonsense well if you're pushing this this kind of ideology onto children which i'm sure you're very familiar with this just from what we were chatting about earlier but a lot of this is based in ideologies that are derived from individuals who have attractions to children. I yes. think that that is the, the sad and disgusting fact of the matter is gender ideology is based in the opinions, or at least in the experimentation, if we can even call it that, of John Money. Uh, there's a couple other people who participate in all of this. So when you have the basis of your ideology coming from that vantage point, you're always going to fail. The problem is that they're pushing this so heavily onto children in schools, in, in every sort of facet of life. And I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm a 90s baby, so we sort of grew up in the era when the internet was still kind of coming around. We didn't have smartphones or anything like that. And, you know, I used to wear my brother's clothes endlessly. I just wanted to be him. I emulated him. <laughs> and, you know, I, I we always make the joke. We go, oh, you know, Sydney, your mom and dad would have shoved you into a gender clinic and, you know, done unspeakable things to your body at some point. And, you know, we joke about it, but really we are so lucky that many of us who were born in sort of the 80s, 90s, you know, maybe even the, I guess, later, the latter of the 90s, too, yeah. we're very lucky that our parents didn't do this crap to us. It's just that that breaks my heart to think about, that we're lucky. 
Well, you know, it's funny. My daughter's 17 years old, and she has been uh, dating a man who was born a man since the day, uh, well, for a year now. Uh, she likes to dress up, in, uh, in, and she embraces her femininity. He is a Christian. They don't drink. They don't curse. It's not because I don't drink or curse, although I don't drink anymore. Uh, but but I'm, I'm like, every day that I see my daughter, I sign the cross and go, thank God. Thank yeah. God. But let me, let me posit this to you, because the other day I was reading about many of the people involved in this transgender nonsense, like uh, a woman named uh, Chris. Uh, Olesinski. Did you hear about this woman? No, I don't know. Let me me play a little sound bite from her real quick, okay? And tell me if you can't hear it. I'm a clinical psychologist by training, and I am the director of the L Gender Program, which is an interdisciplinary program working with gender expansive individuals (laughs) and their families. We um, help individuals who are questioning their gender identity or who identify as transgender or non-binary. Now, I had heard, and, and are you familiar with Munchausen by proxy? I am indeed. Ah, now you know where I'm going to go with this. Because Mm. you have a lot of, uh, well, I'll just say, honestly, a lot of women who are even mothers uh, using their children. Uh, Last week there was a woman who, her her, uh, son who became her daughter, she was literally mouthing the words as he did an interview about how much he loves being a girl. Do you suppose this is an extension of Munchausen by proxy? And for our listeners, this is a a disorder where women will uh, make their children physically ill uh, to feign like they had cancer answer so they'll get attention uh, do you think yes. the same the same disorder could be in play here oh absolutely Boom. Oh, yes absolutely <laughs> i mean you look at some really famous cases cases of the munchausen by proxy um and you, you know there's gypsy rose blanchard who i believe she she ultimately ended up murdering her mother because she was so sick and tired of this existence that she was, you know, I guess occupying, that she killed her parents to escape it, which is a horrible story. But I think that, yes, that, it's such a valid point because I think a lot of these parents want the validation of these other internet weirdos who say, oh, my kid is also a non-binary demi-tree person. <laughs> and, and, and so they sort of feed each other in this, yes. in this bizarre delusion. Yes. And the saddest thing is that their kid is caught in the crossfire. I mean, I suppose you could kind of liken it to the, you know, the crazy parents parents that we used to see on toddlers and tr is standing in the back doing the dance routine along with their small child and it's it's very disappointing and upsetting especially when we think about the future ramifications of injecting your kid with puberty blockers which i will say again and again are untested for this purpose i mean i think even for the purpose they're used the uh, precocious puberty it's it's again there's so many side effects, seizures, you know, migraine headaches. There's so many things, and not to mention the irreversible effects of messing with a child's biology, like yeah, that. including the giant uh, scar on your arm and the, uh, <laughs> the the flesh of your arm being made into a penis. That's yes. just that's just brilliant. Or or your yes. daughter having a mastectomy and having a hysterectomy. By the way, approved by several very big children's hospitals in America. before their 18th birthday. These people need to be driven from medicine and put in prison 100%. Go ahead. Rob, even uh, there was, I made a YouTube video actually looking into this where I looked into some specific doctors and surgeons and practices that were operating on uh, girls as young as 12 to do, to perform these double mastectomies. And I actually had a, a transgender friend of mine who said, hey, my clinic told me that they just had to cancel on a 14 year old um, and was telling me. And I said, would you mind me following up this? And, and, and my friend said, absolutely not. That's absolutely fine. So uh, we called up the clinic and they admitted on the phone and we recorded it. They were like, yeah, we were operating on children as young as 12. And here in Texas. 
Unbelievable. And in Phoenix and in Boston, here actually, this is uh, the Phoenix Children's Hospital spokesperson. Listen to this. Ultimately, this is to ensure that your child is in a good place socially and emotionally to embark on their medical transition, including any transition goals. This comes in the form of communication or a letter. Okay, this is Phoenix Children's Hospital. Now, I've been working with Children's Miracle Network for years. I've been working with Children's Hospital. I have done mega telethons for all of these these Children's uh, uh, Miracle Network hospitals. And if there are one or two of them that are doing this, it makes me go, uh, this has to be turned upside down. That you would la- you would that a, a hospital made to treat children would go and pursue uh, this uh, mode of treatment for a child who is being groomed uh being mentally ill by the way uh mm-hmm. what what i mean what do you think about ramification what do you think about what has to happen to uh, institutions that do this well i think at the end of the day doctors have a duty of care to their patients and if the first thing that they choose to do when they have a young child and often these kids are what you know eight nine ten coming into their clinic if the first thing they do is validate whatever they're trying to assert, I don't think that that's the correct course of action. Now I say this, obviously I'm not a pediatrician, but if my kid comes in and goes, mommy, I think I'm a cat, I'm gonna go, well, maybe we should, uh, maybe no. And I think that the fact that, uh, and this this is what happened to the Tavistock Clinic in the UK, and the reason yes. that they're being sued by so many uh, families now, and, and why they were, you know, they came under fire from Kira Bell and that whole story, is because they went down the road of validating the child rather than popping them into therapy and getting to the heart of the issue. Because, you know, as someone saying, hey, I, I think I'm in the wrong body, whether we like it or not, and whether this is politically correct or not, and I might get you in trouble for this, Rob. Yes. Uh, this is this is a mental problem. This is not something that occurs in the vast oh, no, no. majority. No, of go the ahead and say it loud and clear. But it's I, true. I think it is. And the parents who yes. do this, who are down with this, should have their children taken away from them. Absolutely, one hundred percent. If you're down with a medical transition of your child before puberty, you need to that, that find someone else to raise your kids. I mean, I think by and large, these parents just need to get off this bizarre bandwagon that yeah, you know well, this is somehow helping them. Yeah, it is abuse. Yeah, I mean, abusive. and again. I think about the fact that, and you know, this is not to go, oh, vaccines are bad by and large, but I think some of the crap that we do to kids very early on with the vaccination process, um, you know, there, there are things that, I mean, I've said this to my mom, we've talked about it, where I got three of those Gardasil injections, I believe at 16, and now I have a, an autoimmune disorder, and there's wow. a big class action lawsuit against Gardasil or the company that manufactures it because of because so many women just like me are suffering from that. Now, I think about that on the grand scale of these parents, you know, taking their kids and, and giving them puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones and then going, oh, I'm doing the right thing by my child. Well, no, mom, no, you're not. Because what happens in 10 years when that kid turns around and goes, oh, wait, I've been told since I was five yes. years old that I was transgender when in reality, I just wanted to wear mommy's lipstick every so often. All right, now, like, Cindy, we, we've got we, to take a break. Can you hold on for the next segment? Of course. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Let's take a break. We are talking to Sydney Watson, political commentator and podcaster uh, from Texas. We'll continue this conversation in a second on The Rob Carson Show. Somebody call a plumber. It's time to drain the swamp. It's The Rob Carson Show. 
Yeah, it is Rob Carson Show. Sydney Watson, who lives in Texas, is from Australia, political commentator, podcaster. You know, I've got to cancel my daughter's uh, veterinarian appointment this morning, by the way. You had mentioned that a daughter, you know, a kid could uh, identify as a cat. My daughter is identified as a hamster, so I've got to cancel that appointment today. Uh, she was going to get a couple of shots, I guess. But uh, honestly, it's about that absurd, isn't it? And, and Sydney, you, you said, do you suppose that we're going to continue down this path and eventually boys and girls are going to be fluid and this is going to continue and you're going to have hundreds of thousands of transgendered uh, people walking around? I think we've really, uh, like what happened in Virginia, you'll recall what happened in Virginia with CRT and whatnot, Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, when it comes to messing with kids, most people are saying this has got to stop. So I think all of this is coming to a very abrupt stop very soon. Um, well, I mean, I hope so. I it, really it, has hope right. it has to. Well, I mean, I think the fact of the matter is that it's getting so out of hand. When I say, when, when you talk about your daughter going to the vet, um, on, it, on a serious note, Rob, I don't know if you saw, but there was a story that came out of Australia, <laughs> my home state, my home city, where a child, a young girl in a grade eight identified as a cat, and apparently the school was being, you know, very patient and tolerant of that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I just, like, we make jokes about this stuff, but it's not a joke. They're I know. doing it. Oh, I know. And the worst crazy. thing about it is there's other kids having to sit there near the litter box. I mean, yeah, it was exactly. just terrible. You know, honestly, this is the insanity of the uh, left, and they're, and they're floating all sorts of things. You know what I like to say about, like, for instance, uh, Paul, uh, even, even uh, Chuck Todd had to admit 75% of us think the country's going in the wrong direction. This, to me, says that, A, the, uh, the left is failing at their principal uh, focus, which has been to get America to, Americans to hate America. And then uh, a rejection of all of this nonsense, all of this woke nonsense. Do you notice that you don't see many athletes kneeling during the national anthem this season, among yeah. other things? So I think this is all backfiring, and, uh, and it's going to parlay uh, uh, until November the 8th. I think a lot of ugly things are going to happen before then, but uh, that'll be the first big sign that we're saying, screw this, we're not, we're not down with any of this. Yeah, I think the fact of the matter is that you have a Democratic Party that is basically embracing the very, very radical factions and bending the knee to those factions. Because even if you, you know, even if people argue that they were quote unquote moderates in the Democratic Party, they're not the people who have the, they're not on the soapbox. They're not the ones who have the the microphone and who are speaking. So it's, it's kind of bizarre to me actually to watch this psycho ideology take over and basically implant itself in every single institution and the net effect of that is people are are mad people are so mad when i have conversations with you know people out in the real world even if they're not politically involved and i say oh you know this thing's happening they go what what is happening but you know but sydney it didn't start two years ago it started 30 years ago. It started 50 years ago. This is, yeah. the, this is the culmination of the, what I call the class of 1968, the moist dream of the class of 1968. This is their final, this is their death throw. Uh, I like to say that leftists die like movie vampires, clawing and scratching in every direction to drag you into hell, and we're not going into hell with them. Listen, we got to go. One more question for you. You're a native Aussie. Uh, the, yes. blo- the Bloomin' Onion, is it a tribute to Australian cuisine or an insult? <laughs> Um, I, okay, I might be a bad Aussie then because I'd never heard about it until I came to the U.S. and I saw this, like, bizarre human on Twitter trying to become the Bloomin' Onion for some sports event. 
And I was like, what is that? And then apparently it's an Aussie thing. So either I'm a really bad Aussie, Rob, or it's not a thing. Maybe no, it's just an American company bastardized Australian cuisine, but it's glorious. You got to have one sometime. I, so. I want to now. I'm <laughs> All right. Hey, Sydney, watch it. It was really cool having you on. Where can people find you on the interweb? Uh, if you want to be offended uh, quite deeply, you can find me on YouTube, just Sydney Watson. And if you want to be screamed at on Twitter, I'm Sydney L. Watson, where I have my hottest <laughs> takes, where I basically do what we just did, Rob. I just, I I just take the, you know, I, I don't think I can say P-I-S-S, but I do that on Twitter a lot. Uh, you can do that here, too, because honestly, I don't care. I really don't okay. care. If you're so offended, we live in the, I don't know if you know, but the, the First Amendment, it, it, it's a glorious thing. It allows people to offend and be offended. It's fantastic. Beautiful. S Sydney, you're, you're awesome. We'll talk again soon, okay? Okay. Thanks for having me. All right, very good. Let's see. Rob Carson, show. Let's take a break. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. Hour number three of the Rob Carson Show, right ahead as the SS Titanic continues to take water in a very, very big way. For those of you who are new to the show, and many of you are, because we are expanding nationwide, I proposed the analogy of the Titanic for the Joe Biden presidency. Uh, and I said that on uh, January 20th of 2021, the SS Titanic set sail. Now, I know the analogy is, is fairly obvious. A sinking ship, a, a promise of greatness, all of this crap. Uh, but no, 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 no. If that's just what you think it is, then you are missing the point. You're missing the boat. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> what you may not know, and, and uh, I'll just go ahead and say the first book that I read cover to cover was called A Night to Remember. It was a uh, historical document uh, about what happened on the Titanic, and, and like most a lot of a lot of young children, you are uh, taken by a couple of things, uh, you know, dinosaurs, uh, you know, and then I just happen to kind of go toward the Titanic. And uh, what many don't know is that the coal bunkers on the Titanic it was it was uh, driven by evil fossil fuels, as is your electric car. By the way, I know you've got a Tesla and everything, but there's an 85 percent chance it's run by a power plant that's coal or natural gas. Thought you should know. So posing aside, you know, what the hell are you driving it for? That said, uh, some of the coal bunkers were on fire. Now, in a uh, ship of that size, and with the uh, coal bunkers being as low to the water as they are, and the people down there working, there really was no way to flood the coal bunkers with water to put out the fires. So they had to essentially sail with at least one or two coal bunkers ablaze. It was smoldering, smoldering blaze. And as you can imagine, a great deal of heat was caused by that. And if you see some pictures, several pictures of the Titanic as it's at sail, you see a minor buckling of the hull. I know I'm taking a circuitous route to get to my point, but they say that may have weakened the hull. They say that may have caused the, precipitated the sinking of the Titanic and the separation of the rivets that attached parts of the hull. Yeah, I, I know way too much about that. We are the, we are the coal fire in the belly of the Titanic. We've been uh, told, the mainstream media has told us that we don't matter. We need to be kept out of sight. We have no ability to, uh, to stop what is coming with this 1968, class of 1968, uh, moist dream of Marxism. And so we have sat in the bunker 
And we watched as the uh, FBI was weaponized against Donald Trump and Americans. We sat in the bunker as the election was. I believe my constitutionally protected opinion based on fact that the election was stolen. And we had to sit there and suffer indignities as the SS Britannic rolled along, withdrawing from Afghanistan, wrecking the lives of thousands of military personnel destroying their confidence, destroying the uh, belief that they were not, their service was, was not in vain, but it wasn't in vain, I'll just say that. It was not in vain. Well, this Mar-a-Lago raid apparently may have uh, fed the flames because um, it's no longer smoldering. It's on fire, and this ship is going to go down. Now, whether that be uh, starting November the 9th or whether that started in 2024, it's going down. And a lot of the rats are jumping ship as it goes down. A lot of uh, staffers in the Biden administration, a lot of staffers in Kamala Harris's uh, entourage, and, of course, the latest, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Oh, I got some big news on this. And now the end is near. Jim Gossett, by the way. And I'll be leaving in December. I need a box of Kleenex. I'm going to start crying. And when Fauci is gone. Hold on a second here. I hope that people won't remember. He's been in government since 1978. That I was such a fraud. Oh, how I lied in such a sly way. But more, Sing much it. more than this, I did it my way. Fauci, I am. I wrote the book. He wrote the book. To play both sides and be a crook. <laughs> I got big bucks. From the Wuhan lab, America, you paid the tab. I faced it all from Rand Paul and did it Fauci's way. I'll make more dough before I go and do it Fauci's way. I know. Way. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, by the way, what did he say in his, uh, his letter? He says, uh, uh, while I'm moving on from my current positions, I'm not retiring. After more than 50 years of government service, I plan to pursue the next phase of my career. <laughs> while I still have so much energy and passion for my field, is what it is. He's 82. He, he's been in the federal government longer than uh, Joe Biden and... Uh, He's the highest paid bureaucrat in the federal government. Yeah. I remember printing this off a couple years ago. And it came from the World Net Daily. I still have it. This is the dog-eared copy of its coffee-stained MIT PhD reveals sinister theory about coronavirus. Warns of fear-mongering to advance the deep state. And I got this. Back in March of 2020, I figured it out. I said, you're being played. And I tell you what, I've been kicked off of YouTube and Facebook, shadow banned, still shadow banned. 
on Facebook. Biological engineer with four degrees from the MIT believes the coronavirus pandemic is being used by this deep state to, uh, to further the Democrat or the bureaucratic agenda. Shiva Ayaduri, a candidate for U.S. Senate of Massachusetts, warned on Twitter the crisis was being manipulated. As an MIT PhD in biological engineering who studies and does research nearly every day on the immune system, uh, the hashtag corona fearmongering by the deep state will go down in history as one of the biggest uh, fraud to manipulate economies, suppress dissent, and push mandated medicine. That's before any talk of the vaccine. I, that, yeah. All it takes is a little common sense. All it takes is a little bit of research, and you can figure it out pretty quick. You don't have to wait two years. I figured it out. And I've never been silenced about it. I would encourage you to listen to previous podcasts because you got played, but you're not being played anymore. Fauci is going to retire. Uh, Republican lawmakers are saying that uh, uh, there's no coincidence behind the timing because uh, Rand Paul has basically said, I don't care if you uh, retire, we're still going to come after you. Uh, if uh, what happens, uh, Republicans could be in control of committees in charge of setting the policy agenda for the House. They will be able to freely conduct oversight investigations. We'll have the power to create special investigative committees like the January 6th committee, except for they'll allow cross-examination because we're, uh, we're not totalitarians, you see. Here's uh, Dr. Scott Atlas. He has been one of those people who's been uh, silenced, beaten up for having a uh, differing opinion than the state. The state, of course, uh, developed uh, and groomed the, uh, the theory uh, and, the, and the message of Joseph Stalin that whatever you say that is not in agreement with the state is disinformation. That's why he created the Bureau of Disinformantia. And our state wholly embraced it, thinking that maybe some guy who was selling cars and doing a podcast wouldn't be heard when he started saying, this is nonsense. Well, here is uh, Dr. Scott Atlas talking about Dr. Fauci's legacy. Yes, well, you know, I'll, I'll say his legacy is presiding over the greatest debacle in public health history because his recommendations were implemented and those implementations of the lockdowns and the school closures that he recommended along with his underling, Dr. Burks, failed. They failed by the data to stop the spread of the infection. They failed to stop the known vulnerable to die from dying, and they inflicted enormous harms. They spared the affluent and the elite huh. at the sacrifice exactly. of the poor exactly. minorities and our children. Well, isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's kind of like what they're doing right now. Weird that way. Here's a little bit more of uh, Dr. Scott Atlas. His legacy, really is the extraordinary distrust now in the public of yes. uh, our public health agencies. And let's not forget the uh, FBI, the DOJ, the CIA, the IRS as well. I mean, this is critical and very harmful. Not because of Fauci. It's because they're really, really corrupt as hell. To the future crises, but also to the institutions themselves that we need to trust as people. His erratic proclamations, usually with no scientific evidence whatsoever. But you went along with it. I saw that personally. His use of fear. Not you. Intentionally fear to sway the public. He explicitly said it in the task force. His own emails, as you pointed out, to suffocate 
the free exchange of ideas. This is disinformatia. Antithetical to science and the unacceptable centralization. They made doctors follow the party line. They gave doctors no option for treating an illness. They said there was only one option, and that is do what we say. ...of power of a 40-year... What about the ventilators? What the hell happened to the ventilators? What happened to the hospital ships that uh, Donald Trump uh, hurried to the fore, like the vaccines? What about that? Yeah. Bureaucrat, uh, instead of being just issuing recommendations... You know, the bottom line is the limit. We need we woke up now to need needing to eliminate the power of a corrupt central bureaucrat and restore yes. medical ethics back into public health. Again, the line of uh, Kurt Russell in Tombstone, uh, we're coming and we're bringing hell with us. And Anthony Fauci is not going to escape uh, the microscope. He is not. And by the way, he's saying that he would cooperate with the GOP so long as questioning is dignified. Yeah, well, that would never be afforded to a Republican. So uh, uh, you don't deserve dignity because you're an undignified person. I've got more, including someone who is saying what I have been saying, that there have to be Nuremberg-style trials for those in this country who put us through it. And by the way, the United States was the worst country in the world with regard to school shutdowns and the punishment of our children and the abuse of our children. Even NPR says it. That's coming up on The Rob Carson Show. Driving snowflakes and candy aisle kids crazier every day. It's the Rob Carson Show. When uh, COVID originally hit, I was um, I had been let go from a radio station, and uh, and I was uh, selling cars on the side while uh, building the podcast. And I remember. Um, that, uh, you know, all the panic mongering and the fear porn on uh, television. And I was like, wow, I mean, this is pretty frightening. And, and literally, I remember one time I went to the store and I had a woman, I coughed. And she looked at me and she went, you coughed. And I went, yeah, I coughed. So what? She was panicked. And then, and then one time, I remember, I, I was standing at the grocery store. I do a lot of time at the grocery store, by the way. And there was a guy standing in front of me and I, I got uh, too close to him. And he said... Uh, you're within six feet of me. You, you, you could catch, you know, COVID. And so what I did was I, I uh, stepped back a foot and I said, there, you're safe. Then I stepped back uh, forward toward him, which is about five feet. And I said, I guess now you're dead. And then I stepped back and said, oh, no, I guess you're perfectly fine. Oh, now you're, I guess, oh, and, and I made fun of him. And the people around me like, oh, what? And, I, and every night after work, I would just drive by the hospital uh, near where I live. This is a very high-profile area. It's called it's Johnson County, Kansas. And you're thinking, oh, Kansas, well, a bunch of hicks live out there. No, no, no. It's a, it's a very, uh, uh, I don't live in the wealthy part of Johnson County, but it is. It's a very wealthy uh, suburb. It's um, unfortunately a lot of uh, Democrats here. But but anyway, uh, you know, a wonderful facility, great medical facilities, and uh, there was everybody in the, nobody in the emergency room. Nobody ever there every single night. And as my friends in Maryland, my old friends in Maryland who disowned me for uh, being conservative and a talk radio host and me, a Trump supporter. They disowned me after 15 years. Nice people. Um, uh, nothing was happening. And I'd get on and I'd say, I don't see anybody. And I'd post pictures. Well, you know, there are people dying and there are people, I can't believe it. You know? 
And I said, there's something wrong here. Why, why is my car dealership open? I'm selling cars. I'm meeting people all the time. I don't have COVID. Uh, nobody in the entire car dealership, 300 people worked there. Nobody got COVID. One person, I think. It was a guy in his 30s, and he recovered pretty quickly. It was weird. No, no my daughter was out of school for uh, essentially about a year, and she went back, and she had to wear a mask and everything. And there are 2,600 people who attend class there and work there, and nobody died. I'm like, son of a gun, we are the luckiest people in the history of mankind. And then I went out to Walmart. That they, they left it open during the COVID, you see. And I didn't see any body pits out there. And I didn't see them behind Home Depot. And I didn't see any class action lawsuits against either of those entities for having uh, uh, people go to work there. Because there were no massive, massive deaths. And now all this has happened. I don't know if you know this, but uh, the Missouri Attorney General, he's actually, uh, uh, he has uh, uh, filed a lawsuit and uh, has said basically that big tech collaborated, collaborated with, uh, with uh, the government uh, to censor all sorts of information about COVID. Yeah, big tech, the Democrat Party, they collaborated. Big tech social media companies censored millions of Americans on their social media accounts through a governmentally created social media censorship program. And if that's not obvious to you by now, it never will be. You got played. You got lied to. You got scammed. Your kids got punished. Sometimes, some of your kids, you know, maybe your kid has uh, been talking about, you know, uh, committing suicide or feeling suicidal. Or maybe has uh, decided to, you know, start drinking or, or drink more or, or uh, you know, gain a lot of weight or experience severe depression. Well, would you freaking blame them for how the adults manage this crap? Mary Holland, uh, she is the Children's Health Defense President. She says that we have witnessed a global assault on the Nuremberg Code which is a uh, code uh, where doctors uh, and lawyers from the United States sought to prevent uh, horrors like happened in Germany. Now, here's, uh, here's uh, Mary Holland talking about what happened in America and around the world with regard to COVID. Tragically, in the last two and a half years, we have witnessed a global assault on the Nuremberg Code. Governments, medical establishments, universities, and the media have violated the very first principle and every other principle of the code's 10 points. They have coerced people into being human guinea pigs. They have forced people on penalty of losing their livelihoods, their identities, their health, their friendships, and even their families to take inadequately tested experimental gene-altering injections as well as other experimental tests and medical devices. And in case you have any doubt, um, the COVID vaccine does not work. It doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. And it looks like the more shots you get and the more boosters you get, the more likely you are to get COVID and die of COVID. That's indisputable. The CDC just admitted it. Here's a little more from Mary Holland. The people who have intentionally, knowingly, maliciously violated the principles of the Nuremberg Code must be punished. I think I said this uh, about a year ago. They must be called out, prosecuted, and punished for crimes against humanity. We must ensure this does not happen again. It can't happen again. I said that 2020 happened because it was 2020. 
They played up the virus. Deborah Burks even admitted it. They played up the stats with regard to infection before the election. Robert Redfield, another former CDC director, said that hospitals, counties, municipalities had a perverse incentive to diagnose COVID and to treat COVID. What is that perverse incentive? Cha-ching. And Pfizer and Moderna and others have become incredibly wealthy. The President of the United States ordered 105 million doses of COVID vaccine for this fall that no one is going to take because we know it didn't work and it certainly didn't work on our kids. NPR, of all places, is calling out our government and our schools for the treatment of our kids with regard to COVID. All of it was completely unnecessary. That's coming up. Don't go anywhere. So, um, health experts, this is a headline from about a month ago. Marty McCary was talking about this. Uh, health experts were quitting the NIH and CDC in droves because they were embarrassed by the bad science, including vaccinating children under five to make advice palatable to the White House. Yeah, CDC, NIH, both suffering from staff shortages, according to Marty McCary, uh, a top-notch expert at Johns Hopkins. Major decisions made by the agencies hurt morale, included uh, support for masking in school, school closures during the pandemic, and the authorization of the COVID-19 vaccine for children under four. Oh, yeah, and then there's this. Uh, at most schools across the country, they're back in person learning the detrimental effects of school lockdowns during coronavirus are showing themselves in real time. High levels of student depression and developmental and academic stunting. Kids have the highest level of anxiety I've ever seen. Anxiety about basic safety and fear of what could happen. Colorado Elementary School counselor Susan Julian told the New York Times, which conducted a survey of 362 school counselors nationwide, quote, the foundational skills for learning need to be retaught, said Georgia Middle School counselor Tierney Langdon. Counselors describe many students as frozen socially and emotionally at an age when they were when the pandemic started. Ninety-four percent of counselors surveyed reported heightened levels of anxiety and depression. Eighty-eight percent reported emotional control issues. Seventy-five percent reported conflict resolution problems. And while you're here, let's go ahead and use the fact that you are depressed and confused to uh, convince you you need to change your sex. USOBs, the people who are behind this, Nuremberg Trials, Nuremberg Trials, NPR even says that what happened in America's schools was the worst in the world. I'll get to that in a second. Let's go to Randall in Pacific Grove, the home of our glorious affiliate KSCO. He's been on hold for a while. Randall, thanks for holding, bro. What's up? Hey, good afternoon, uh, Rob. I wanted to bring up another new news flash that uh, I have two points and a joke. Okay. Uh, the one is that they're saying now that even after you've taken all the precautions, you've tested negative. They're going to just invalidate all that because now they're saying there's a new variant yeah. that tests negative. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you don't have it. So they're going to come after people even though they've done everything. Yeah. That's okay. the first point I wanted to make. Gotcha. Gotcha. Second point I want to make is that now the monkeypox has jumped out of the gay male community into females. 
And so now you got females that are uh, the habit working with children in uh, daycare centers. And the thing is, that with the mathematical progression, if you study graphs at all, it's just a matter of time that uh, that it's not going to just be gay men. It's going to cross over to everybody else. So that's well, just one thing, because they're not talking about that. Yeah, well, Ron, uh, Randall, Randall, I apologize. Um, uh, first of all, I think uh, no on the first point. That's not going to fly. Um, as far as monkeypox is concerned, there are, actually is a new study that it's more than just physical contacts. It's actual intercourse. It's actually uh, uh, physical intercourse between men that is the most um, uh, contagious uh, way to you know to, to to transmit the variant. So uh, to to the virus of monkeypox. So I I'm not down with either of those uh, points, but I, I do right. uh, I you know listen I I don't study graphs. Thank God uh, you know because. I, I have a life, but uh, but uh, you know I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I just don't think either one of those is going to fly. They're going to try it, but at this point, I think we're yeah, done right. With it. Well, lockdowns will do that to you. But uh, I wanted to say a yeah. real quick joke. Okay, so real go quick, go ahead. I go to a liberal coffee shop. I meet this really liberal uh, lady there, and we hit it off really good. We decide to go out on a date, right? Yes. So we go uh, dining and dancing, and it's just like the old song says. You know, we're hitting it off really good, and the chemistry is great. And then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like I'm a conservative. Yeah? Is that the joke? Yeah. Sorry. That's all right, Randall. Bye. See all right. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't ever say then a joke because uh, you, you make people wait through the whole thing for the joke. And if the joke, you know, does that. <clears throat> Jim in Maryland. Hello there, Jim. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's going on? Hey, good afternoon. Uh, yeah, when this no jokes, Jim. No jokes. No jokes, no dude. Jokes. All right, go ahead. No, I, I, I'm, I'm the joker inside. Yes. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> when this thing started, I put up a sign in my uh, uh, Honda that uh, Chicken Little was right, and everybody should listen to the song Dirty Laundry. Yes, uh, yes. My wife, my wife got a little upset at the point at the time. My wife hit them when they're up, he, kick them when they're down. Hit them when they're up, kick them when they're down. Yeah, is yeah. the head dead yet? You know how how long were we waiting for people to die? You know um, that 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 reference in the song. Yeah, it was all. Uh, my it, wife, my, yeah, my wife's a lead uh, microbiologist in the state of Maryland. Um, she has never been on board with this. Um, she actually went from being a Democrat to a Republican during this whole thing. Wow, um, Jim, that's epic. <laughs> it was, it was. Wow. Um, it, it, yeah. Uh, so, uh, and she's, she's, you know, camp in her own, in her own, uh, world, she's campaigning, uh, uh, you know, in her own mild way, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, and people are sort of on our case for being uh, a truth being teller. Right. Yeah, for being a, a truth, truth teller. teller. Yeah. yeah. Well, know, Jim, she, she she knows. She she's for forty years. She's been a microbiologist. Yeah. And I you know I come in and tell people we're you know these masks are, are nothing. And I yeah. got right, 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 right. 
And when it started, Larry Hogan says, wear the damn mask. Well, I came into work, and I had damn on my mask. And they said, you can't wear that. And I said, no, the government said I can wear my damn mask. Wow. <laughs> but you're telling me I can't. So yeah. uh, I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, Jim. I'm glad. I'm glad she had to come to Jesus moment and she figured it out. Uh, and and I would love to hear from her sometime if she ever decides she wants to talk about it. I'd love to share her story. We don't have to use the last name, but I do appreciate it, Jim. Have a glorious day, bro. All right. So let's uh, let's return to uh, let's see uh, the NPR thing. Uh, and I and I and I put the uh, sound bites and I affiliated them with this uh, with this story. Nearly fifty thousand students in the LA Unified School Districts did not attend the first day of school this year. They discovered that a, uh, the L.A. Unified School District discovered a significant number of students listed on their rolls were not there. According to reports, nearly 50,000 students, approximately 11% of the student body, absent. Despite improvements, the district still struggling to return to pre-COVID attendance levels. Last year, the COVID protocols firmly in place, chronic absenteeism skyrocketed to nearly 50%. So officials are attempting to address the issue of absenteeism right out of the gate. Such high absenteeism cannot be the case this year, particularly when we talk about black and brown kids in poverty, English language learners, kids with disabilities. They've lost so much ground. This according to uh, District Superintendent Alberto Carvalho. Now is the time to accelerate. That's why I'm talking to parents. You need to have your kids in school. Schools are safe. Our protocols and protection are in place. Free breakfast, free lunch. Oh, yeah. You need that because parents aren't raising their kids. Come to school every day. This is the time. This is the moment. Come in and get your free lunch, your breakfast, and we'll convince your kid that they're the wrong gender. Maybe there's some of that going on. You ever think about that there, uh, Alberto? You ever think that maybe they don't want you to send their kids back to your crappy arse schools because of all the nonsense that they're teaching kids? You ever think about that? Probably a little bit of that, too. Probably the reason why they can't get employees at Apple to return to work full-time. Yeah. So NPR... Uh, they decided to do a little story on uh, on the uh, the uh, school closings and what they did to kids and how they ruined kids' lives. Here is uh, the first part of the report. Anya covered it all and now sums up what her reporting also showed in real time. Extended closings were a calamity for education, and she says they may not even have saved many lives. The United States kept more of its schools and more of its students home longer than any other wealthy country what and at the same time is currently boasting the highest per capita death rate from covid of any wealthy country well that's kind of weird because we were uh, we were taught that uh, that you know that, that shutting down the schools would uh, would uh, stop the spread would stop the spread Kind of weird. Anya Kamenetz, by the way, is the uh, NPR reporter who uh, who did this. It's very unlike NPR. And by the way, I'm going to play more of NPR. Uh, I would encourage you to try to fight falling asleep. Uh, just try to fight falling asleep. If you listen to NPR, it, they literally act like they're just looking up from their cappuccino to share the news of the day. It's like, and in Beirut, there was a bombing today. A little bit more from Anya. The U.S. could have opened schools while keeping restaurants closed. Instead, many places kept schools closed while reopening restaurants. Students. I could not stand being home doing work because, like, we had, like, 14 people in one house. This is a child who's a school, uh, a student, and a person of color. And, like, half of those people are kids. I just couldn't focus. 
That 16-year-old tried to study at home while also supervising younger kids. This 16-year-old said she couldn't sleep for days. Listen to this. Everything is hard because there's no end to it. It just, it's really sad to like see what was supposed to be like the best years of your life like go down the tubes. So authorities knew the problem and had to judge which was worse, the risk of COVID or the risk of educational calamity. There was no risk of COVID. European nations began reopening by the late spring of 2020, saying they put kids first. In the United States, political division and distrust prevented that. Do you know how many children, how many kids missed their senior year? How many kids missed their, uh, their, their events, their sporting events, their theater events? Do you know how many... How many kids uh, had their senior year in college where they could have been national champions completely erased? It's kind of like the same thing that happened to female swimmers when they allowed Leah Thomas to swim and a lifetime of work suddenly gone. The ability to succeed, the ability to do anything suddenly gone. I, I swear to God in heaven, I pray to God in heaven that the people who perpetrated this on America's children are punished uh, criminally, uh, they are punished civilly. They are sued. They are driven from education. They are driven from their union positions. I've got more from NPR coming up. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning, and I'm never going to let this go. Let's take a break. You are listening to The Rob Carson Show. Donald Trump says he's the funniest man on TV. Just wait till he hears him on the radio. It's the Rob Carson Show. So uh, NPR, there's this uh, reporter named Anya Kamenetz. She's written a new book called The Stolen Year. Details how the pandemic disrupted children's lives. And she may have actually accidentally stumbled on uh, the reason why COVID was played up so much. It was political, guys. I said from the get-go, 2020 happened because it was 2020. Cities burned in America and Democrats did nothing about it because it was 2020. Honestly, duh. I told you. Deborah Burks said that they overplayed the COVID numbers before the election. Robert Redfield, former CDC director, said there was a perverse incentive to diagnose and treat COVID. That was monetary. I want to know how much every hospital got for each COVID diagnosis. I wonder which counties and municipalities got what they got for declaring COVID on a death certificate. It's pretty funny, actually, this, uh, this Anya Kamenitz. And I used to, I did NPR. I worked at an NPR affiliate for four years in college. They weren't as just gigantically government mouthpieces as they are now. But she's also had some stories here like Americans are spending lots, but they still don't feel good about the economy. Or uh, Russia is disappearing Ukrainian civilians. Their families want answers. It almost sounds like she's committing random acts of journalism. But why, why, why would the Democrat Party, the party in power, work so hard? Why would teachers unions that give 95% of their political donations to Democrats want school clout? Okay, never mind. Now I get it. Here's a... Here's the report from NPR. I think we heard a lot from President Trump about how important it was to open schools. Well, that, 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 wait, wait. Donald Trump was saying open the schools, but Democrats were saying close the schools. Almost like if the schools were closed, the parents would blame Donald Trump for it. But we didn't see responses, particularly from people who were on the other side politically. In fact, it was shown that the more likely a county or district was to go for Biden in the 2020 election, the more likely that county was to stay closed. Shut the front door! No way! 
I think maybe the same uh, counties that, I don't know, enforce vaccine mandates and, and major wear masks because masks broadcast fear were all Democrat counties too. Let's hear that revelation. In fact, it was shown that the more likely a county or district was to go for Biden in the 2020 election, the more likely that county was to stay closed. And they didn't give a rat's butt about kids. All they cared about was pinning a shutdown on Donald Trump. That's what it was all about, kids. Here's more from NPR. You know, something's wrong when political affiliation, not case rates, not demographics, is the leading indicator of whether a district is opening or not. Um, Democrats who have children, do you realize what just happened to you? I like to use this um, expression, psychosexual assault. And uh, what it is is, is when, uh, when uh, the left says that men can compete with women in women's sports and the women who have been in those sports forever uh, suddenly are competing with a man and uh, they're like, what, what just happened? And then they get beaten and they're like, what the hell just happened? We didn't see this coming. We've been assaulted and, and nobody's paying attention to us. They just left us here and we've got to deal with it. They've ruined our lives and we just have to deal with it. That's psychosexual assault. And if you're a Democrat with kids in school... Congratulations. Look what your party did to you. You know, something's wrong when political affiliation, not case rates, not demographics, is the leading indicator of whether a district is opening or not. Let's talk about the CDC. I don't know if you know about this, but our CDC director last week said they're going to do an overhaul of the CDC because of all the mistakes they made with COVID. It's almost like they're going to be under a microscope here real soon, and there could be some criminal charges, if not civil suits against the agency. I think we have to look at public health experts and not to diminish the difficulty of the job that they were trying to do in this incredibly fast-moving situation, but the World Health Organization and the European equivalent of the CDC spoke very strongly and clearly in favor of opening schools. And our CDC did not speak in the same full-throated way about balancing the needs of children with the need to control the pandemic. It wasn't about controlling the pandemic. It was about controlling the people. One more soundbite from uh, NPR. In other contexts, public health experts were willing to make that judgment. They very famously in 2020 said it was okay to protest racial injustice because the cause was more important than the... Do you need any more evidence that it was political? ...risk of COVID. Why was it so hard for them to focus on schools the same way? The open schools movement, as it's called, consisted of parents oftentimes who were angry that schools were not available and they had very serious concerns about their kids and I think that a lot of the parents in that community feel that their needs were really dismissed and that they were told that they were, you know, just wanting to go to yoga or that they were being racist when they asked for schools to reopen. I'm just going to set this microphone right down here. Hell is coming and we're coming with it. Let's take a break. Come back. Wrap things up on The Rob Carson Show. You know, something's wrong when political affiliation, not case rates, not demographics, is the leading indicator of whether a district is opening or not. 
Yep, the uh, Democrats played politics with your children uh, during the shutdown. The world opened schools a year before us. We decided to keep them closed. And by the way, uh, teachers' unions, uh, Randy Winehouse, uh, the head of one of them, has uh, fought uh, reopening, has fought uh, uh, COVID restrictions on children uh, from the get-go. And consequently, we are. it's going to be a long time before we can fully appreciate the damage that the Democrat Party did to our kids with regard to the COVID uh, pandemic that really wasn't a pandemic. Where are the candlelight vigils for the one million people who died of COVID? Joe Biden did a candlelight vigil when uh, only 200,000 people had died right along the, uh, the Lincoln Memorial. But after the election, he decided to forget about them. Uh, things to think about. Share the podcast, if you would, at newsmaxtv.com slash podcasts. And I will see you tomorrow. In the meantime, do not catch the stupid. See you then.